Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Well, last week, the world started fresh. A new start, new year, new me, new resolutions. The gyms are packed again. And it's like we have this momentum, this strong start. But something happened last week on the second day of the year that I've never seen really in my life. It feels like with all this momentum of moving forward, suddenly a portion of the world came to a stop. It's when during a football game in the NFL, a player named Damar Hamlin, he uh, made a tackle, went to the ground, stood up, and then suddenly collapsed to the ground. Anybody see this? And uh, they didn't know what was going on. His heart was stopped on the field. There is confusion and chaos and tragedy. And this was not supposed to happen for a new start. This was not supposed to happen in an NFL game. And yet it did. And in this time of pain and mystery and confusion, something happened that I really haven't seen on live TV before. People began to pray. In fact, football players gathered in a circle, coaches, players, all began to pray around this situation. And uh, you can see in this picture, this was a football game. This was streamed live on TV. And then news anchors and sports anchors, as they were covering the story, they began to pray because they didn't really know what to do in this severe and scary and difficult situation. In fact, I want to show you a clip of a sports channel and how they responded with prayer in this moment. I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it him. It is. Damar Hamlin, right, right, right now. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 What in the world? Public is going, prayer is going public. Prayer is going mainstream. And it reminds me of the scripture in James 5 that says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
And this is what the NFL, this is what the news did in this time of tragedy. They began to pray. And I believe that there are times in our lives where prayer isn't a last resort, but it's our first response. When things are so bad, so confusing, so tragic, we say, Lord, I am not strong enough, wise enough. I can't figure this out on my own. And so prayer isn't my last resort. It's my first response. And I believe that we will find that there are moments in our life where prayer isn't just preparation for some greater work, that prayer is the greater work and that we desperately need to be people of prayer. Can I get a good amen? And so this happened right here and the world prayed and Damar Hamlin recently made a miraculous recovery. They didn't know if he was going to speak again, breathe again, think again. And yet he recovered. And actually on his Instagram, he wrote this. The love has been overwhelming, but I'm thankful for every single person that prayed for me and reached out. On a long road, keep praying for me. Isn't that beautiful? Can we give God glory for that miraculous recovery? I think that's just so beautiful. And at Kalos Church, in this new year, I want you to know that we as the lead team, as pastors here, we have a heart to create a house of prayer at Kalos Church. That if we're going to be good at something, it's prayer. There are a lot of good things we can do in the church. There are a lot of things that compel our attention, call us to action. But if we forget to do prayer, to be people of prayer, I think we're missing out on something. And we cannot let the NFL lead the world in prayer. This is an inheritance we have as a church. Can I get a better amen? This is something we're called to do. We want to seek the heart of God as the people of God. But I know when it comes to prayer, especially praying in public, praying in groups, praying for one another, praying in our small groups, praying in Alpha, praying in church services, that can be an intimidating experience. I remember growing up and becoming a Christian in Minnesota at a country singing church in Minnesota. There were not a lot of Pradeep and Jivanohar and Sivaretnams at this country singing church in Minnesota. And I, I learned how to pray in that church. And I remember this church was primarily white. But there was this group, a small group of black moms and grandmas. And they would pray, man. And I, I, they would also encourage me all the time. They'd just be like, honey, let me buy you a donut. Let me encourage you. And I love these women. And they would have these prayer meetings. And I, I, I thought it was just for women. I thought prayer was just for the women in the church. And I, I remember walking up to these women. And I was like, man, I wish I could pray with you, but I'm a man. And they're like, honey, prayers for everybody. I was like, all right, come on, somebody. I'm going to go pray with these women. And so I, I remember going to one of these prayer small groups. And they said, all right, let's get in a circle. Let's hold hands. And why is it in church, whenever the pastor tells you to hold hands, you begin to sweat like you've never sweat before? Am I alone? It's like, why is this happening now? It's like the rivers of God are flowing through me. Why? <laughs> and so I'm holding hands and we're praying and I'm like, I, I want to keep up with these women. So I, I begin to pray in the King James version of the Bible. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I'm this teenager. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm like, thine lordeth. I pray for my sisters and brosifs. 
Oh, what thine heavenly kingdom doeth, what thou shalt doeth. And Lord, I know we need to pray just to make it today. We've got to pray just to, and I'm just throwing out every song lyric. I'm using all these weird words. I'm just trying to, to fit in. And I, I'm just thinking these people know how to pray. And then I hear them to start leading out and they're saying phrases like, oh, daddy God. I'm like, what? Can you, oh, daddy God. And then someone began to lay hands on me. And they're like, they put their hands on my head. They're like, oh, daddy God, I pray that you would help this young brother in Christ. Would you just help him to let go and let God help him to let go? And then someone else joined in. They're like, oh, yeah, Lord, help him to let go. But also he needs to hold on. And they're like, let go, hold on, let go, hold on. I'm like, I don't know what to do. How do you pray? This is so confusing but i like this weird passion i'm into it then they start to pray to god and i'm like all right i know jesus and i know god but then they're like oh lord we call upon the name of jehovah jireh and jehovah rapha jehovah knees i'm like they know god's nicknames like i don't know the what the heck who how do, how do you learn all this stuff like god has a nickname how do you do this it was intimidating anybody know what i'm talking about when you're trying to pray with others it's like, I don't have the right words. And I know it can be intimidating to pray in public. But like what we saw at Damar Hamlin, there is a time where we need to pray in public. There's a time where we need to lean in. And as the church, if we don't step up in prayer, who will? If we don't receive this inheritance and step into it, who else can carry this? And so I, I've noticed, though, just speaking as the pastor of this church, Pastor Maritha and I have talked a lot about like what we've noticed in small groups and prayer meetings. I, I think the people of Kayla's church can be intimidated to pray out loud. I think sometimes we're hoping the pastor doesn't call on us or the leader in our small groups. When they ask, hey, does anybody want to close us out in prayer? We're like, please don't call on me. When they say, hey, let's get in groups of two or three, we're like, oh, I don't know what to say. I'm just going to go to the bathroom and hide with all the other introverts. Can I get an amen? And I know, I get it. It's intimidating. I, I felt all those same feelings. But I, I, I believe that we need to, as the church, get over our fear of saying the wrong words. I think as the church, we need to get over our fear of not feeling authentic or insincere when we just don't feel like praying and yet the church calls us to pray. I think we need to get over our fear that we're, we're too sinful to pray. And we're hypocrites, so God's not going to hear my prayer because I'm such a sinner. Can we just all agree that we're all sinners saved by grace and we need Jesus desperately? Or we have this comparison trap where we feel like everybody else can pray better than me. Everybody else is more spiritual than me, so why should I even try? Regardless, as the followers of God, we are called to pray. I felt those same feelings. I felt the sweaty palms. I have been confused at the phrase, Daddy God, and yet I've prayed. <laughs> a big reason, though, I believe some of us might even be intimidated or hesitant when it comes to public prayer is from a theological standpoint, we don't know if we're supposed to pray in public, especially when we consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, who says, these are the words of Jesus, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, 
who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And we read the scripture and we say, oh, prayer is a private matter. Prayer is something I do in my prayer closet. Prayer is something that I do alone. And so is it okay to pray in public? Was it wrong for people to pray for Damar Hamlin in public? Were they sinning? Were they disobeying the words of Jesus? When we pray in church, are we sinning? Are we disobeying the words of Jesus when we pray for babies, when we pray to open up our service, when we pray collectively? Is that a sin? Is that wrong? Is that disobeying what the scripture says? Well, I, I believe it's not a sin to pray with others. And so what's going on here with the scripture where Jesus says, when you pray, pray in private. Well, I believe that he's commenting on the, the posture of our heart. When we pray together or pray publicly, are we praying simply to look good in front of other people? Are we praying to get accolades? Oh, look how spiritual that person is. Or are we praying because we long for a connection with God and we believe in the power of prayer? And so we seek him. This is what I believe Jesus is addressing. But for those of us who are still not convinced and feel like there should be no prayer in churches, there should be no prayer in families, there should be no prayer in public, you feel like all prayer should be private and in your prayer closet, uh, I want to give an argument for why I believe that Christians should pray in public. And so let me read this, point number one. Yes, Jesus tells us to pray privately in our closets, but he also advocates for a house of prayer. Yes, Jesus tells us to pray privately, but he also asked the disciples to pray with him in the garden. Yes, Jesus tells us to pray privately, but he also prayed publicly for the benefit of those listening to him before raising Lazarus from the dead. Prayer is a private matter, but it is also a public one. Sometimes you need people to pray with you and not just for you. Pray in your prayer closets, but don't neglect the house of prayer. And so let me explain this thought I just wrote out throughout the scripture. So John 11, here's an example of Jesus praying publicly. And he does kind of a, a baller prayer. I love this. It says in 11, chapter 11, then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Here's this humble break. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. So Jesus isn't praying for the audience of the Father. He's praying to the Father for the audience of those around him. Are you tracking with me? This is like me in my marriage when I make a joke to Amritha, but she knows I'm doing it to make Andrew laugh. And she'll say, is that joke for me? Or are you just trying to make someone else laugh? I'm like, honey, it's not for you. But it's funnier if I say it to you. So Jesus is praying here, but he literally says, I'm praying out loud for the sake of people listening to me pray. And so Jesus was not practicing this concept in Matthew 6 of only praying in his closet. I don't even know if Jesus had a closet. Jesus literally prayed so other people would hear him. Remember when the, the disciples taught, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. He doesn't say, pray my father. He says, pray our Father. Before dying on the cross for the sins of humanity, 
Jesus brings his disciples to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Jesus is about to die. He's struggling with this. He prays that famous prayer, Lord, let your will be done, not my own. He's struggling with it. But before he prays all that, he asks his disciples to join him in this prayer of pain. In Matthew 26, let's read it. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples. So he brought these disciples to pray with him. And this is what they do. And they found him, they found them asleep. I know none of us fall asleep in prayer, right? None of us fall asleep in prayer. But these disciples did. And so Jesus is praying. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And so what does Jesus do? He says, oh, this is good. Now I can pray privately. Oh, this is a good thing. And now I can pray alone. What does he do to these sleeping disciples? He wakes them up and rebukes them. Man, what a painful way to wake up. Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Then he returned to them. So the disciples, what are they doing? He found them sleeping. I know that's not like us. I know I'm not looking at anybody in particular. And so what does Jesus do? He says, oh, this is good. I should be praying alone. It's bad to pray in public. It's bad to pray with other people. No, he wakes them up again and he rebukes them. <laughs> and uh, in 44, so he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and he said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. And so Jesus is trying to pray. And in his moment of pain, he brings people vulnerably into his time of grief, his sorrow, praying about this future trial he's about to face. And he finds his friends, his disciples asleep during his moment of pain. He's wishing that they would pray with him, not just for him, but they keep on sleeping. And if I can be real, I think this is an indictment on us as the American church. There are a lot of people in this room. There are a lot of people in our families, in our society, who are suffering, who are struggling, who need hope, who lack a support system, and they're wishing that the church would rise up and pray with them and for them and around them, but we're simply asleep. And Jesus needs to wake us up just like he woke up the disciples. Is there a church here at Kalos Church that will wake up and pray when the people around us are suffering in their garden? Because if I've learned anything by following the life of Jesus, it's this. Friends, don't let friends pray alone in the garden. Friends, don't let friends pray alone in the garden. When people are struggling with a health issue, a financial issue, a work issue, uh, an existential issue, feeling like they have no friends, feeling like they have no one to go to. I believe that as a church, we say, you know what? Friends don't let friends pray alone in the garden. You know, one of our friends here at Kalos Church, she was going through a trial, a great pain. Mer Jennings there running our screens right now. Where would you raise your hand? And I, I, I a couple of months ago, around the summertime, she, she came up to us and said, hey, I, I went to a doctor appointment, 
and they said, we have to schedule a surgery for you next week. And this was during the time when COVID said, hey, we're not doing these like elective surgeries. And so people had a hard time scheduling surgeries and all of that. You know what I'm talking about? And they said, hey, we've noticed something here that is alarming, could be cancerous, could be an angry cancer, could be extremely destructive. And so I know we're just having this meeting, but we have to have some sort of operation next week. Can you imagine that fear, that surprise, that trial? And I'm so thankful that Murr, she didn't just like harbor that to herself. She brought the church into it. She uh, told some people in a, a text group form, sending her encouraging texts and scriptures and just praying for her. And then we had a Kalos night. It's where we have these worship and prayer nights once a month. And uh, we said, is there anybody here that needs a miracle? And then people came up to the front and we laid hands on her. We laid hands for people who are looking for a miracle, just praying and and she felt like God was doing something in that moment, that there's this healing power that was coming over her and just soothing her and bringing this healing power. She went to this operation that next week, and they said, wow, this cancer that we thought might be an angry cancer or a rare cancer, uh, we got everything out, and we don't think there's any further treatment required. Can we give God some glory for that? And so they went from... Sounding the alarm, rushing it, Mer brought her prayer requests to the church. The church prayed, supported her, loved her. Then the very next appointment, they said, you know what? Our worst fears did not come true, and we don't even need to do further treatment. And I give God glory for that. And I, I believe that this is a, a victory for God, but this is also a victory of a praying church. And I'm so thankful that Myrrh had a support system that didn't let her pray alone in the garden. Because friends don't let friends pray alone in the garden. Are there people in your life that are going through something and you just say, I'm praying for you? And you leave it at that? Could I encourage you to not just pray for people, but to pray with people? To pray with them? It's so easy to text, I'll pray for you, and then to never pray. But can we be a, a people that says, I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you. And I believe that there is a power that's unlocked when we pray together. Uh, there's a term for what it means when we pray together, and I want to explain this to you. It's called corporate prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of corporate prayer. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to get your LLC to operate in corporate prayer. It's a gift available for all of us. Who's here heard about corporate prayer? All right, who's never heard of this term corporate prayer? Awesome, I'm glad I'm preaching this. So let me give you a definition that I wrote. It's this, corporate prayer is praying in the presence of others with unified prayers where the prayer of one becomes the prayer of all. And so corporate prayer comes from this word corporate, which means combined into one. That's what corporate means. So like when corporations have teams that gather together, they acquire businesses, they become a corporation. The two are becoming one. And so when we pray corporately in corporate prayer, it means that the prayer of one person becomes a prayer of all. And we're not just praying alone in the garden, but we're praying together in the presence of one another. And we're not just praying individual prayers, we're praying unified prayers. So when you're praying for your need, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying, yes, 
Lord. Let it be done. I'm saying amen. I'm entering into your pain. I'm entering into your request before God. I'm entering into your petition. That's something called corporate prayer. And most of the prayer I see in the early church as recorded in the scriptures is corporate prayer. And I think that this is another significant argument that we're not just meant to pray alone, but we're meant to pray with each other because the model we see in the book of Acts and in the the writings of Paul in the New Testament, we see a lot of the church praying together in the same place at the same time. Let me read some of these verses about the, the first church that existed, the early church in Acts 1. It says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer alone in their prayer closets. No, together with the women. Come on, somebody. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Acts 4, 24. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices. Say it with me. Together in prayer to God. Acts 4, 31. And when they, they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So we see in the early church, they were praying together all the time. And I believe that we are called to pray together too. The fact is that the church was birthed in a prayer movement and it's going to be sustained just the same. The church desperately needs to be a praying people. And so there's a a power when we pray together. There's a power in unifying over prayer. And I I think we need it. A divided world needs a united church. And one of the most uniting things that we could ever do as a church is pray. And when things are divided, it it just damages all of us. You know, uh, we have a a lead team, leaders, some staff that are paid, some volunteers that really run Kalos Church. We pray together. We move together. And so we're constantly communicating. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this decision? This morning, the truck didn't start. What are we going to do to handle this? Like having to figure out all of that kind of stuff. And uh, there, there has been, I don't want to say it was Satan, but something happened because, uh, you know, when uh, John Boyd joined our, our lead team as our, our youth director, he uh, kind of disrupted the unity of communication in our leadership team because we all had iPhones with sacred blue texts. Then he joined with an Android phone. And suddenly the the blue made me want to puke and it turned green. You know what I'm talking about? And so it's like when these Android users, man, they join these iPhone text groups, you just enter a world of divided trouble. I mean, whenever we like a text, it doesn't come up as an emoji. It becomes a separate text, like so-and-so like this, so-and-so love this, so-and-so laugh. You guys tracking with me? When you send a video, it's like the smallest size ever, and you're trying to look at it. It's just like, this is the devil? This is division? This is not what God wants for the church? In John 17, the church, Jesus prays for us, all those who would ever believe, and he prays that we would be one, but then the spirit of Android enters in, and all eyes will see that God is good, but that, my goodness, who's feeling the spirit of the Lord right now? Who here is rebuking me right now? Where are my droid users at? Nice. I see you. I see you. I, I do believe that Android technology has a lot of advantages. 
in that iPhone is intentionally boxing you out to create peer pressure for me so that you convert to iPhones. And I think it's working really well. Uh, but then, so John noticing this spirit of division, all the alarms going off, he decided to convert from a, a droid to an iPhone. And my God, unity is back. Can we give God some glory? We're, we're sending GIFs or GIFs. We're sending pictures. We're sending full-size videos for the glory of God. Can I get a better praise in the house of God? We're sending voice memos. My God is alive. We're FaceTiming. Woo. I love it. I feel like I'm losing half of us in this room. <laughs> but anyways, I, I, I believe in the same way we need to sync up with our text. We need to sync up in prayer sometimes. A lot of us are praying our own prayers and our own, but I think we need to hear the prayers of other people. Sometimes we don't even know how our people are struggling until we hear them pray. Sometimes we don't even know what God is doing on a global scale until we hear the house of prayer for all nations pray. Sometimes we don't even realize how ingrained we are in a certain sect of society until we hear the petitions and the cries from someone in a different culture than ours. I think one of the greatest gifts we have as a church is being a diverse church, but that means we're going to pray for things that we probably wouldn't even think to pray of on our own. When I hear the prayers of brothers and sisters from different nations, I feel like my whole world is enlarged, amen. And I think that this is the beauty of syncing up in the prayer of unity, but it's a way where we can support one another. And I believe that the strongest people are strengthened by the weakest prayers. And that when we unify, we're greater than what we can do individually. And it's something that we're called to do. We are called to pray together. And so we're going to spend some time even right now just grouping up, praying. We're going to open up this altar. and the band, you can come up. And we're going to just spend some time praying. And I know it's going to be awkward. I know it's going to be intimidating. But I believe you can do it. And as pastors, if we don't teach you how to pray, if we don't give you an opportunity to pray, what are we doing? And so we don't just want to talk about it. and We want to be about it. And so I want to give you some prayer tips. I just want to tell you this. Just pray authentically as you pray. You don't have to sound like anybody else. You don't have to use King James language. You don't have to pray in my Sri Lankan, Minnesotan accent. You don't have to do it. I want to encourage you to just pray humble. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to pretend like you don't have sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I want to ask you to pray humbly. Don't make it just about your prayers. But when other people are praying, enter into that prayer with them. Say yes. Say an amen. Say I agree with you. Because this turns from an individual time of petitioning the Lord to a protest where we're unified as one voice and we're agreeing with each other in prayer. Pray short when you're praying in public. This isn't a time for your personal devotion. The Lord knows your prayers before you even pray them, so you don't have to pray every scripture you've ever heard. Uh, pray now. The best prayer advice is just start praying. Like sometimes we don't even know, how do I jump in? Uh, when do I start? Other people are going to pray, and we're like awkwardly waiting for our moment to jump in. It's okay. Just, just jump in. If, if things are a little awkward and you, two people start praying at the same time, so be it. Or just go in a circle and take turns if you're afraid of popcorn-style prayer. 
And, and just pray in agreement. Give a lot of amens and yeses. Let other people know you're praying with them. They can't hear your heart, but they can hear your voice. So when other people are praying, say, yes, Lord, amen. I agree with my brother. I agree with my sister. I agree with that prayer. Yes, Lord, would your will be done? Yes, Lord. Yeah, amen. I, I stand in agreement. Like, literally just vocalize it so that people don't feel alone in the garden. Does that make sense? And so we are in this series right now called House of Prayer. And for the next 21 days, we're going to enter into corporate prayer as Kalo's church. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Fasting where you avoid some legitimate pleasures of the world so you can focus on connecting with God in prayer and scriptures. If you need any help on this uh, season, what is prayer, what is fasting, go to our website, kalos.church slash prayer. And uh, we'll put this website on our screen right now, www.kalos.church slash prayer. And we're going to have three prayer dates on our calendar, January 11th, January 18th, and January 25th. And I, I'm praying that we will pray together in corporate prayer. We will be unified as the church. We won't let the NFL take the lead in praying for people who desperately need it. And even as we start our new small group seasons in February, I, I'm really hoping that some of us in this room will step up and say, I want to lead a prayer group. I, I want to open my home up for small groups of prayer. I want to create an environment where we can pray together, pray for one another, contend and petition God for all the needs in this world. And if you're interested in leading one of those prayer small groups, also go to this website. There's a small form that goes directly to me. I want to talk to you about leading a prayer group because I want to lead one myself. We're talking about what kind of group we could lead. And so anyways, I I'm believing that this is a critical season in the life of the church. Amen. And, and there's a lot of us struggling. A lot of us have friends that are struggling or family members that are struggling. I believe that friends don't let friends pray alone in the garden. Amen. And I, I just want to be a little bit vulnerable and honest that we as a family, Pastor Amritha and me, we need your prayers. You know, our, our son has some very severe special needs. He's diagnosed with autism. And like, I, I love, you know, that he has a different personality, he's differently brained. But his, his aggression and his violence has increased to a point where we've had some of our, our special ed teachers in public school and in private therapy They've had to kick him out out of special needs class at times because he's been so violent and dangerous. And we don't know what to do as a family, to be honest. We, we've tried therapies. We've tried medicine. We've tried all, all, all these school programs. We, we've been praying and contending on our loan. But it seems like the further we go down this road, the more aggressive and violent he seems to be getting, and it's been dangerous, to be honest, for our, our, our three-year-old daughter as he gets stronger. He's turning seven. And I believe, though, that we can pray. The prayer isn't just like a last resort. It can be our first response. And I'm not even just trying to preach a sermon or provide an illustration. I just want to say we're in a garden season right now, church, and we need your prayers. Will you pray with us? Will you pray for our son who needs a breakthrough, a breakthrough that no doctors, no therapists are able to provide for us right now? And I know we're not alone in a prayer garden season. I know many of us need breakthroughs in our life and nothing's working, but we're going to pray. 
and contend and unify. And I believe that as the church, we can see something happen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.